You're listening to Band Geek with Richie Castellano on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. Hey guys, Richie here. This is Band Geek episode 54. In this episode, I go over my guitar gear. I'm a big guitar gear nerd. I love guitars, I love amps, I love turning dials, I love changing pickups, all that stuff. Uh, This was actually a specially requested episode uh, from Facebook, so I hope you guys get a kick out of it, and I hope you like hearing the stories about the gear, how I got the gear. I also give some samples, uh, playing samples, of what these guitars sound like, and what the amps and the effects sound like, so it was pretty cool. Joining me on this episode is my cousin Phil, Uh, he's my tech with Blue Oyster Cult, so it was pretty... uh, Pretty great to have him helping me out with this. Before we uh, get started, please continue to support BandGeek by using our Amazon link. Go to riotcast.com slash bandgeek, and at the top of the page, you'll see an Amazon banner. Just click on that banner before you do any Amazon shopping. Then when you check out, a small percentage of your purchase goes to supporting the show, and it doesn't cost you anything extra, and we really appreciate it. One thing that was brought to my attention, uh, you can't add things to cart before using the link. You have to do the link before adding to cart. So that's very important in helping us. Uh, Please subscribe at riotcast.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. Make sure you rate and comment on the show. That helps us get new listeners and helps us grow the show. So here we go. Episode 54, my uh, guitar gear extravaganza. Enjoy. Welcome to Band Geek. I'm Richie Castellano, and today is the triumphant return of my cousin Phil Castellano. Hey, what's cracking? Uh, this is a two-man podcast, and a little background on what we're doing today. Uh, I had this really awesome thing planned with uh, Anne Marie on vocals, and uh, I had a band put together. Uh, but Anne Marie has come down with a nasty cold, so I'm going to be uh, merciful to her. And not have her sing this crazy song I wanted her to sing. So um, I put a post up on Facebook asking what people would like to hear me talk about if we were to do just sort of like a mellow talking show. And one of the suggestions I got, uh, a few actually uh, suggestions, were to go through my guitar gear. Now this is cool because I love talking about guitar gear. Um, there were some other suggestions that were really good, and I'm going to hold on to those uh, for the instances where I have to do th- these sort of like uh, solo type shows again. Uh, I was going to do just a solo show where I, sp- where I just talked, but you know I couldn't resist the urge to make a big production out of it. So I got Phil down here, and we have basically my studio right now. I have every piece of guitar gear I own set up. So we're going to have a little fun today. We're going to geek out guitar porn style yeah um a little background on who phil is phil is my cousin but he's also uh blue oyster cults guitar tech is that correct yeah um how long have you been doing that well 
most recently it's probably been a couple like i've been filling in for maybe like a year maybe a year or two right sounds about right yeah and then, you, yeah you, yeah you were filling in because um <laughs> filling in oh yeah um you were filling in we had uh sam stoff who was uh my tech and he's also a very busy recording engineer. So he had to start subbing out gigs. And we had a bunch of other guys who were good. But I said, you know, why are we getting these other guys when my cousin Phil can, you know, change the strings on a Floyd Rose guitar blindfolded? You Word. know what I mean? Upside down. Mm-hmm. So we got you to do it. And as Sam was, was doing it less and less, you sort of became the guy. Um, but uh, because of the way we do things, I, I think your education... Uh, your, your roadieing education has taken a few turns. Like you, you do more than just set up mine and Eric's guitars now. Like what, what other responsibilities do you have? Well, I have to make sure the keyboards are positioned correctly. Make sure they're all in functioning order. You know, make sure that's all good. You know, and then um, uh, actually more recently, I've been setting up Don's rig right. too. So that's pretty. That's been pretty cool. Now that's that rig is very involved for a fly rig, right? Yeah, pretty kind of yeah. Comparatively speaking, how okay. long does it take you to set up Don's rig versus Eric's rig? Don's rig actually, I could probably have that done in like ten minutes. Yeah, Eric's rig is like a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk about that. Eric's rig is what? It's a um, it's one of those relay. Uh, 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 wire- I'm talking about yeah. er- Eric Bloom from Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, it's if you're ju- if you're just joining us. My name is Richie Castellano. I play with Blue Oyster Cult, and Phil is the guitar tech for Blue Oyster Cult. And the people we're talking about are Eric Bloom. And Donald Roser, a.k.a. Buck Dharma. Continue, please. Yeah. So he's pretty much got, like, he's got his Gibson SGs right now. And he's, like, he has he uses one of those um, those relay wireless pet systems. It's the Line 6 one. Mm-hmm. I think it's the G50. And then he just goes right into a Mesa Dual Rec, usually Channel 3. Yeah. And just, like, crunchy and good to go. Which, uh, so for, for those of, uh, for the people who want to get the Eric Bloom sound, which uh, mode does he use Channel 3 in? Well, he usually, what do you mean? Like, Isn't there vintage, like raw, vintage, oh, he, and modern? he uses it in modern, yeah. Modern? Yeah, he uses okay. that one. And then he, you know, it's pretty much all middles and it's like, yeah. For straight up? Yeah, straight up on, you know, the, the treble, bass, and mids. You know, it's funny, um, when, because we, we had like a regular crew for a while, we had, um, Andrew Gearhart and Aaron Melling. Uh, before that, we had um, uh, Jack Secret, who was Getty Lee's keyboard tech. Oh, that's cool. And um, and Eric Gormley, or G-Man, who you got to meet this weekend, uh, who is Peter Franton's tech. Uh, he does a lot of different bands. I'm trying to think who else he was. Oh, he was Nugent's tech. You know, he he did a lot of. He's done a lot of you know high profile gigs. Um, so. You know, when you were just sort of the filling in guy, uh, Eric used to say, you know, Richie, set up my amp. But then you bought a Mesa amp, and now you're like the expert on it. You set it up better than yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I get a pretty decent sound on his amp. You know, it's, you know I, like, I, like the, I like the way the Mesa sound. Which cool. Mesa did you get? I got the Mesa Road King 2, which is like a, uh, like a dual wreck on crack. <laughs> I guess you could say that. What made, now, I don't have Mesas, uh, and you're supposed to copy me because I'm your big cousin. Stop copying me. What? what? <laughs> What made you want to get a, uh, a Mesa? I don't know. I guess I'm. A, I guess you could say that. Like you know, I just. I don't know. I guess, you could say it. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, it's probably. You know, I'm a big Dream Theater fan, and Petrucci uses Mesas, <laughs> so there you go. So I got a Mesa. So and I, and I love it, and it's cool. Let's. You just mentioned something, and I know we were going to talk about gear, but before we do that, 
Um, you got to meet the man and <laughs> I did. The, the legend. Uh, you want to tell that story? It's always awkward when I meet these guys because I'm always like, yeah, yeah, guitar, <laughs> handshake. <laughs> well, you, you, I, I try to think I'm cool now because I've been doing this for over yeah. a, de- a decade. Um, we, had, and we had Don's help last time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I was, we were playing a gig in Kent, England. Yeah. Um, it was like a big rock metal festival and, and we were playing on the same stage as Dream Theater. And um, and I'm walking around backstage, probably looking for catering because I'm a fat ass. And uh, <laughs> and I'm walking around, and I see Petrucci walk out of like the van or whatever, the the, the SUV. In all his majesty. Yeah, with his majestic <laughs> hair and everything like that. Oh yes. And I looked at him, thinking I'm cool, and I looked at him, and I got completely uncool. <laughs> I couldn't say anything. I was like, uh, and I walked right past him. So so. Then uh, they're hanging out in their dressing. We have like a big, there's a big uh, outdoor area. It, it was an outdoor gig with RVs set up, right? So it was like a grassy picnic area with RVs. So we had our, you know, our uh, dressing room. And then Dream Theaters was across from us. So we're sitting on a picnic table and we're just like creeping, <laughs> you and me on Petrucci in the background. And like Jules comes up to, to you know, to us. It's like, what are you guys doing? You're like, Petrucci's up there. He goes like, you guys are creeps. He was talking to Rudis. He was like, yeah. Yeah, well, we couldn't do that because we were paralyzed by fear of John's majesty. So I said, don't worry, I got this. So I went to Donald Buck Dharma and I said, um, we need you to do use your Buck Dharma magic and, and introduce us to Petrucci. And he walked right up to him. He did. Like, no fear. Like, it's great. No, yeah, I could, you know. What, I mean, why should he? Don's a guitar oh, legend. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but Petrucci... Could not have been nicer. Oh, he was great. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And Jordan Rudis was there, too. And he was like, hey, I'm Jordan. I'm just like, hey, I'm done. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, so I just want to talk about uh, Petrucci for a second. Uh, Petrucci, I wouldn't say, is one of my um, major influences. But as I've learned more and more about him, his uh, philosophy on things like practicing and and using things and, and gear and like I'm mean, using scales and and techniques have really had an impact on me and he's become an influence on me. Um, even though I sort of became like a backdoor dream theater fan, like yeah. I wasn't really because I was more of an old school prog rock fan, like ELP, Yes, Genesis. Uh, dream theater was sort of like, oh, that's too metal for me, yeah. you know. But as I became older and I started liking metal, thank you, Danny Miranda, for introducing me to metal. <laughs> I started appreciating it more, and also I, I, um, you know, as a guitar player, how can you not like Petrucci? I mean, here's another thing. I was sort of, and I spoke, I've spoken about this at length on the show before. I was trained by uh, our, our mutual teacher, Mike DeCampo, mm-hmm. to be a blues guitar player, and I did that for many years. So whenever, you're, as a blues guitar player, whenever you hear someone who's not doing the blues, you're like, ah, <laughs> who needs that? But you know, when the last time when we saw Petrucci. He, it wasn't about, you know, how many notes I can play per second. It was about tone, uh, having the right sound for the right part, uh, uh, and conveying the right emotion. I mean, he shredded when it needed, when the song called it for it. It was tasty. Tasty It was licks. very tasty, and his guitar sound was massive. Yeah, it was. Um, so, today I want to talk about uh, my stuff because people are asking me what I'm using. And uh, so, I guess the best place to start is from the beginning. Uh the first guitar I ever bought was, uh, actually, I didn't buy it. My dad got it for me, was this little crap half-size acoustic. I was eight. And uh, I played that thing until I got too big for it. And uh, then I went to, uh, at that point, my grandparents had a music store in Brooklyn. 
And my dad went, took me there, and he said, pick a guitar out. And I didn't know anything about guitars. And I picked a Squire Telecaster. And I played that thing. And I also had an Ovation Acoustic. Um, ovation is, uh, not Ovation, I had applause. Uh, ovation's a company that makes, what are they, fiberglass? Yeah, they got like a weird back thing. It's like on. a salad bowl. The guitar looks like a salad bowl, and it's got like a, I guess like a wood top and a fiberglass back. Yeah. So I had, that was my acoustic, and the Fender was my electric. But um, what happened is the Telecaster, the Squire Tele, was way too heavy. And I was eight or nine or something, and I couldn't play it. So I went back to my grandfather's store in Brooklyn, and um, he traded me that for a Fender, a Squire Bullet. Now, uh, people know what Fender guitars is very famous. Squire is their um, like entry level import brand. You know, um, that's like inexpensive. Like Squires, you can get for six hundred dollars and less, whereas the real Fenders started around seven hundred and up. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's about accurate? Yeah, that's about right. Oh um, so I had this thing, and what I really liked about it is it had that telly neck on like a dwarfed Strat body. Uh, and it was very light and very comfortable. I love that guitar, but um, it sounded like crap because I, you know, as I got to like, you know, age 10, 11, um, I started getting, you know, stocking stuffers like distortion pedals. And I had this little Marshall micro stack amp. So I wanted, you know, the cheese sound. Um, so I wanted a humbucker in there. Uh, so let's talk about, let's talk really quick about. Single coils, humbuckers, and all that business. I was really into Eric Clapton, and I saw this black and white Strat on the wall, and I wanted to have it. But th- there's there's three stories behind this. This is a Fernandez uh, Strat- Fender Stratocaster knockoff, pretty much. It's called the Fernandez Special Edition. Uh, I love this thing. I bought it because it was a black Strat and looked like Clapton, but also my teacher, Mike DeCampo, our teacher, uh, who we've had on the show, he just spent... A ridiculous amount of money on this relicked custom shop Fender Strat. Um, relicking is the process of taking a brand new guitar and aging it. So basically, you're paying for someone to beat the shit out of your guitar, put cigarette burns on it, nicks, uh, yellow things, like any white parts get yellowed. So I bought this guitar and beat the hell out of it. But then I felt bad that there were all these nicks on it. So I got yellow spray paint and I sprayed lines over the parts that I put the really bad chips in. uh, Making the guitar completely disgusting. And then uh, my friend Andy Graziano, uh, fellow band geek Andy Graziano, named it the Disgustocaster. So that's this. But this has humbuckers on it. This has single coils on it. Um... It's got that sort of quacky sort of almost that like sort of Hendrixy thing. I really liked that sound, but when you put on the distortion, you sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Um, 
but it wasn't the sound that cheesy, uh, you know, twelve-year-old Richie wanted. So what I did is I had someone, at, uh, a friend of my dad's, put humbuckers in, and that was my first experience with changing pickups. Now this guitar actually has a humbucker in it. Uh, I put one in the bridge position, so. <laughs> So you can play like, you know, like, you know, stupid metal zone sound, uh, cheese, shreddy. I couldn't shred, but I wanted that, you know, mid sucked out of everything. You know, here's the sound I wanted. I'll, I'll do it around my amp. Because every kid that picks up a guitar for the first time wants that sound. You know. <laughs> It's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible sound, but everybody wants that sound. So I had a DiMarzio fast track put in, and that was the first time I ever swapped out a pickup, and I can't stop now. I, I have to swap out pickups. I'm like a customization fool. Uh, so anyway, let's. that's the difference between a humbucker and a single coil. Let's get a better sounding guitar than this. Okay, what do you want? Uh, let's pick up the Steve Morse. Okay. Um... Right now, I'm using uh, a Steve Morse custom. Uh, Steve Morse is the current guitar player in Deep Purple, one of uh, my favorite guitar players, but that's not why I got this guitar. I got this guitar because it's purple, and that is really the only reason. I always wanted a purple guitar. So, <laughs> okay, so let's give you a little... What is that? Okay. So here is... We call this a clean sound. I'll move through this quickly because I'm sure the, the guitar players are getting bored. But th this is a clean sound. There's not much going on there. Um, we can add things to a clean sound to make it sound prettier, like reverb. Here's what reverb sounds like. That little, you know, ambient tail. Uh, we can also add something like delay or echo. Oh, if I turn it on. One. That's what a delay is or an echo. Uh, other things we can add, this is called a chorus. Oh, let me make that a little more extreme so you can hear what it sounds like. Chorus is considered to be a modulation effect. I'll show you some other uh, types so you can hear. This is the tremolo. So that would be like the Beatles. Or, um. That's the tremolo. And you can adjust the speed on these things. Uh, what else we got? Oh, here is a phaser. All right. This is a, a, a vibe, like a like a univibe sound. Okay. This is a vibrato. I 
That's sort of like a funky sound. This is, we did chorus. Here's a flanger. So those are, those are the basic kinds of modulation effects. Um, other effects that, you know, are popular. Let's get it here without doing this. We have this effect, which everybody knows. There's your wah. So that's what we're talking about. So this is still a clean sound. So now I'm going to get a little bit more of a gritty sound, and I call this grit. So you can hear this has a little more sustain to it, a little more bite. It's still sort of clean. Like if I play the guitar lightly, I can play chords on it. But if I play it hard... I also can do things like add a distortion to this. So that's like, you know, a little bit of a grit, sort of almost broken up clean sound. Here's my crunchy sound. And the effect you're hearing now is called distortion. Uh, this is a, you know, the meat and potatoes, rock and roll sort of, you know. Um, and then I have what I like to call my cheese kill lead sound. Uh, this has got a lot of distortion on it. Um, and that, why, we, why guitar players like this for leads is because the sound lends itself to playing fast. When there's a lot of gain on, a lot of distortion, as you can hear, the notes last longer. So listen to this. So that's a pretty long decay on that note, and it also makes the guitar easier to play. So when you want to shred or do something sort of challenging, uh, it's kind of easier. So if I want to do a, a run like the run Phil and I were just playing before we started recording, it's very easy, because if I were to do that clean, it sounds like this. <laughs> But once I put that distortion on, it sounds like like I'm the greatest guitar player ever. So we like that as guitar players. Um, another sort of sound that uh, guys use a lot, or, or I should say I use a lot, is called a harmonizer. So that Brian May sort of harmonizing. So that's your um, basic guitar effects, guitar player terms. You think that pretty much covers yeah, that was it? That's pretty good. Right? Yeah, it was decent. I think we went I think we got through everything. Ah, this was this is turning out to be pretty good. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> Delightful. Right. So I had the uh, amp, I had that, uh, but I started uh, kind of getting into the Beatles and I really I saw the movie Help. Have you seen that movie? No. You haven't did you see Hard Day's Night? No. What? No. Oh dude. 
Oh, dude, we get all right. When this is done, we're watching a movie. <laughs> you're gonna stay. When we get some Mountain Dew, you're gonna stay up, <laughs> motherfucker, and you're gonna watch these movies. Okay, so anyway, I saw the movie Help, and I was at my grandparents' house. I think it was like a holiday. It must have been like Thanksgiving or something. And I'm watching this movie, and I see John Lennon has this guitar that looks tiny on him. He was six foot. He was over six feet. Um, and yeah, and. Uh, he had this tiny guitar, black and white, and I said, Dad, what is that? He said, that's a Rickenbacker. I said, I want one of those. Uh, so I got very lucky. I had a very, uh, my, my grand, grandfather had a music store. My father put the call in, and I got this guitar, which is probably the worst sounding guitar I own. <laughs> but I love it. I will never sell it. I, I, I just adore this thing. Um, this is my John Lennon three-quarter size Rickenbacker. It's smaller than a, a normal guitar. And um, the reason I read for that is that John Lennon learned how to play guitar, learned how to play banjo first uh, before he played guitar. And the banjo, if you've ever held one, is very small. It's, it has a very slim neck and it's, you know, small dimensions. This feels more like a banjo. So when he played those chords... You know, he can do that. I'm going to try to um, demonstrate right now. I'm plugged into my Line 6 pod. <laughs> product placement, product placement. I'm plugged into that, and I'm going to try to make an appropriate Beatles sound really quick. Um, I'm going to talk about the pod more in a second because I've really sort of embraced this technology. I really like using the pod, and I've been, it's, I've been using it more than anything recently. So right now I'm just going to call up an amp. Hello, amp. All right, now the Beatles played Vox amps, so I'm going to call up a Vox amp simulation. Let's see. There we go. Here's a Vox amp. Turn some dials here. Now you hear that really lousy sound? That's perfect for the Beatles. I got every reason on earth to be mad Cause I just lost the only girl I had If I could get my way Up to date again Then I'll cry instead But this is the chord I always do This is the Well she was just 17 So that's the sound. But since I was a stupid kid, <laughs> I wanted it to sound like this. Wait, let, let, let me do the, the asshole tone again. Hold on. That's how it sounded through my uh, amp. <laughs> so I played this. I love this guitar. I'll never sell it. I actually think uh, the cool thing about this guitar is it has a very comfortable neck f feeling. Like here, play this thing for a second. I'll, I'll give you that crappy Vox amp again. Wait. Turn, turn the volumes up. Okay, but what are these, uh, these old school knobs yeah. here? Yeah. So, so, you feel that neck? Yeah. It's comfortable, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. 
I mean, the guitar is tiny. It's hard to play on. And the pickups are so, sort of like... Oh, and you have flat rounds on here as well. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Had, I was told you have to put flat rounds on those older guitars. Um, yeah, flat rounds are sort of more uh, associated with jazz, but whatever. Um, so... I think that guitar sort of is what led me to the Music Man's eventually. Yeah. Because it's a really comfortable, rounded sort of neck. And they're very similar size, too, even though it's a yeah, full scale the, on the axis. The Music Man's like a small guitar, but yeah. we'll get to that. So then the next thing uh, I got, because I started, I started growing and getting into um, lead guitar a little more than just playing like chords on Beatles songs. And my dad had this 60s classic Les Paul. Now, yes... I did say that my dad didn't want me playing his stuff. But I think when I took an interest in his guitar, he went out and bought another one that I couldn't play. <laughs> so, uh, and this story I have told on the on the podcast before. Uh, I, I had this, he had this um, 60 classic. And what I liked about this Les Paul is that the pickups were super, super hot on it. Like, and... What a hot pickup does is... Now, remember before I talked about the distortion sound. Well, if you have sort of like low output, weak, mag, like magnetically weak, because yeah. pickups are magnets. If they're magnetically weak or they're not that powerful, you don't drive the amp as much. But if you have hotter pickups, you get more distortion. So you can be more of a cheese ball and you can play more fast things without <laughs> and have this sound really help you. Uh, so his guitar was like that. But then um, Andy Graziano, who's a, a band geek, um, he came into the store one day with his dad looking for a Les Paul. And my dad said, I have just the guitar for you. And I came home one day to play my Les Paul, and he sold it. So <laughs> I had no more guitar. Um, well, my dad said, pick your own damn guitar. You stopped stealing my shit. So I said, all right. Now, at this point, I liked the, um, the sound of the Les Paul. But I really liked the neck on the Fender telly I had and the Rickenbacker. I, the Les Paul had a, um, the 60 classic Les Paul has a really flat neck, and I have these little tiny sausage fingers, and I couldn't get around it. So I think I saw a magazine with a picture of a Music Man Eddie Van Halen guitar. Uh, they just released them. Uh, Music Man was relatively new to guitars at that point, and I just looked at it and I said, wait a minute, it looks like it's the same pickups as my dad's guitar, the, the Humbucker pickups the hot ones, and it looks like it has a telly neck on it. So I I went to, uh, my dad took me to a friend of his who had one, uh, DeBella Music, who's we're still friends with. It's in Jersey. And um, they had one. I really had my heart set on getting a blue one, uh, which Philip has now, you son of a bitch. It's, it's next. It's not a big <laughs> I really wanted the blue one, but they had this one in stock. And, and um I picked up this guitar and I felt the neck on it and I said, yeah, this is the one. And this is probably my favorite guitar ever. Um, it's It ruined me from other guitars. So let me play on this thing. The cool thing about this is like the harmonics just jump out of it. So... I think I was 16 or 17 when I got. No, I was. Yeah, I was like I was like going into high school when I got this, and I freaking loved this thing. It was a metal machine. It had that comfortable neck on it. I totally 
totally knocked out of tune. Yep, that's good. But um, the other thing this guitar had, which I was taught to hate, is the Floyd Rose um, tremolo system. Uh, let me tell you what a tremolo is. If you've heard the term whammy bar, that's all a tremolo is when they t- when we're talking about um, guitar parts. So the cool thing about this, or the interesting thing about this, here's what whammy bar sounds like. Like that. Most whammy bars will go up and down. Um, the Van, Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen was sort of an innovative guy when it came to guitar stuff, and he only wanted his to go down, so we would put a block of wood under it. The reason for that is I think you get better tuning stability. Yeah. I mean, you're a tech. What's the reason for only going well, down? First off, if you break a string, it's not going to mess you up while you're playing. Right, because if you break a string, on what they call it is a floating a floating tremolo goes up and down, and it, it the float comes from the tension yeah. on the strings. Well, there's guitars that like are floating, like, you know... Bucks Steinberger. That's yeah. it could be floating at times. Mm-hmm. And when he breaks a string, it doesn't go out of tune. Mm-hmm. But like they, but you know, they didn't always do that. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you break a string, you, you, your gig's not ruined. Yeah. Um. So I love this guitar. When I bought it, it was black, and now it's um like faded purple, into this like. nice poo color. <laughs> it looks like a dark, like a very dark purple. Yeah, it looks like it's like a mink coat. <laughs> it's like poo burst. It looks like poop. Definitely looks it's like, like poop. an old raspberry. Yeah, it's all sort of rusted. Um, I've actually had to send this guitar back to, uh, to Music Man, uh, or Ernie Ball is the company, the, the parent company of Music Man guitars, um, to get this refretted. And I think they put the stainless steel frets on here. Um, I absolutely love this guitar. It's my favorite guitar. I, when I started playing guitar with Blue Oyster Cult, I actually brought it out, um, and... G-Man put it on a stand that didn't have the rubber on it, and it got a little nick on the neck. And I said, nope, that's it. That's coming home. So I, I stopped playing that. Um, let me think of the next thing I got. Oh, okay. So when I got this guitar, I needed a backup for it that was... Um, give me the white one. I needed a backup for it that also had a Floyd Rose because I sort of got used to the tremolos. Um, so here's another really cool uh, story about my grandparents' music store. I... I would go there just to hang, like like it was a thing to do. Just you know, because I was a kid, I was into music. Just sitting on, sitting around the store, and you know, eating great food. the The setup of my grandparents' music store was very unique. It was in Brooklyn, and um, you walked in and you'd see the the floor, the showroom, and then directly in the back was a tiny kitchen where my grandmother would not only run the store but she'd cook nonstop. So it was not unheard of for you to go buy a set of strings and leave with a meatball sandwich and a set of strings. <laughs> so that that was she was legendary for that. But um. I would go and I would, you know, just look around and mess around and help them out or just pretty much just go, go live a free food and annoy my grandfather with my, you know, make, making terrible metal guitar sounds like I just showed you on all of his nice guitars. So I saw this guitar, um, a white guitar, but you couldn't tell it was white because it was so dirty. Um, it was something he'd gotten in uh, on trade. He was, he'd always take used guitars in on trade. And like if someone, if someone, for example, wanted... Um, uh, Fender Strat he had on the wall and they only had like a couple they had like two lesser guitars he goes well I'll take those two guitars plus f- some money and then I'll give you this guitar and that was a pretty good deal especially if you didn't want any of those old guitars so it, he took in this guitar uh, this is a Kramer Pacer uh, an 80s American Kramer Pacer I didn't know what it was I just saw that it had a, uh, a Floyd Rose on it and it was blocked like my guitar I hadn't I didn't know anything about the history of this guitar it looks like a white Fender Strat. It's got the same exact body as a Strat, um, with a maple neck. 
but only had one pickup on it and this Floyd. So I asked my grandfather, I said, can I, um, can I clean this one up? He goes, no, it's a waste of strings. I said, yeah, but this, I said, this has a Floyd Rose on it. That's like, that's $200 right there, right? How much does the new Floyd yeah, Rose go? Yeah, that's about right. Um, and he, but at that point in the, you know, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Floyd Roses weren't in, uh, you know, that's grunge right there. Floyd Roses were not in fashion. Like that was, you didn't want that on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandmother saw that I got, I got kind of upset when he told me not to. And she's like, would you just let the kid do what he wants? So he goes, ah. So after they grumbled at each other, I took a pair of, you know, I took a set of strings off the wall. I cleaned it up. I polished it. And I was like, this is a fucking awesome guitar. This is a beast. So I said, you know, Papa, how much do you want for this? He goes, $50. Done. So now that I know what the... First of all, let you hear it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have it tuned down a whole step. This is one of my my morning starlight guitars, actually. Oh, I forgot the song. I forgot to play my song. Anyway, it's it's massive sounding. This guitar is a beast. Um, the deal with this is this was the Eddie Van Halen guitar in the 80s. He played these Kramer Pacers, and this has the Van Halen trem setup where it doesn't go up, it only goes down. You know, so... It's an American guitar. It's an American Kramer patent pending uh, pacer. This is like, this is like the hot for teacher guitar, you know. This thing sounds awesome. I I love this guitar. This is, and also the thing I really liked about it is the neck was so funky and dirty. I didn't clean the neck. I said, all that funk has to stay on the neck. You need to have the funk on the neck. Do you agree? Or do you clean oh, it? I, to- I totally agree with that. Yeah. Now, I know you because you like to get things and keep them new and pristine, yeah. but neck funk is, you know. Yeah, no, 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 no. If, if you have a maple neck, now, maple's the lighter well, neck. I, I must say, if it's, like a, if it's like a Fender Strat with like the finished necks, where it's like, you know, it's over, you know what I mean? With like the gloss, mm. you, you clean those. But like these maple necks that don't have a crazy finish on them, yep. let those get stanky. They have to get stanky. Yeah. And if someone, if someone, takes the stank off, you've committed a, a horrible crime. Yeah. You don't, That's right. Don't talk to that person. Isn't there a story, um, I, I believe I've heard the legend that uh, um, James Jamerson, the famous Motown bass player, yeah. his son cleaned up his oh. P bass and he goes, what are you doing? You just took the funk out of the bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, let's see. The next, what's the next thing I got? Uh, oh, the next thing I got was this this red one over here. This, uh, give me the uh, old moon. Okay, when I was uh, in college, and I was really playing a lot of blues, um, they had this sort of um, scholarship award, like uh, or like an award they would give to people. Um, there was a guy named Ray Redness who had this com- who still does this company called Old Moon. 
um, it's like a custom parts guitar builder. He does really nice stuff, and he offered to donate a custom guitar to one of the students, and they chose me. So when I was really playing a lot of blues, I had him design this. This is like a telly, because I always wanted a telly ever since I sold that one back to Pop. Um, it's hollow, so it's light. Uh, it's, it's a stain. Um, <laughs> I put DiMarzio pickups. I always loved DiMarzio pickups. I should mention that the Van Halen had DiMarzio pickups in it, and once, and I was in love with those pickups. So I, ever since that, I'm like a DiMarzio guy. Um, so this was my my blues guitar. Um, it's, you know, so I really, you know, I play this guitar a lot, but the story is a very funny story behind this one too. All the guitars have funny stories. Uh, it's very hard to select a guitar neck when there's no strings on it. And in Ray's shop, he had a bunch of beautiful maple, bird's eye maple, you know, flame, all that, all these nice necks. And he goes, pick a neck. You know how hard it is to pick a neck based on no strings? Actually, I don't. Yeah, you you can't tell. So this neck felt small and comfortable like my music man. And then when I got it, it was a beast. It was I couldn't play it. So I felt bad. So I told your dad, I told Uncle Phil. So Uncle Phil, I can't play this neck. This guy made me this guitar. I feel bad. He goes, all right, bring me a neck you like. So I showed him the neck of my Van Halen. He goes, take all the strings off of it. Okay. He goes, take it off the body. Okay. <laughs> oh. So I took I took the thing apart. Did he break the binding? Well, I'll tell that story. That's a good story to tell. Um, I took it off. He took measurements of it with this little... What's that tool called? A, a radius curve tool or something? Or I don't know. It's like It looks like a comb, and you put it into the back of a neck, and it shows you oh, the yeah, curve. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's, it's called. It's like though. a radius yeah, finder something or something. Like um, he did that. He took a look at it. He goes, all right. He takes this neck of this guitar, the old moon, and he has like... A belt sander in his driveway. In his driveway, he has like a plastic, you know, patio t- uh, table, and he's going zzz, zzz, and I'm just <laughs> seeing like wood flying off. I'm going, oh my god! Right? He gives me the guitar back. He's like, shoom, shoom, shoom. he keeps looking at the, like the the tool. Shoom, 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 shoom. He hands it to me. I go, holy shit! Nailed it! Nailed it! Nailed it! Sounds like him. I played this guitar quite a bit, and I didn't really. Uh, yeah, I don't think I got any new guitars for a while. I, I just used um, this. I used the Van Halen one, and I used um, the Disgusto Caster. Mm-hmm. That was what I used in every gig. I just bring the Disgusto Caster as a backup, and I used the Van Halen. Um, it wasn't until uh, BOC that I got um, another guitar, and then I went sort of crazy because once I could, because you know what? At that point, I wasn't ever thinking that I was going to play guitar for a living. I thought I was going to be a recording engineer, and that guitar was just something silly that I did. Um, but you know, once I started, you know, making a living playing guitar, I said, "Oh, I should have all the guitars." <laughs> and I thought, oh, you got them. Well, you know what? Here's actually there is one more I want to talk about. Give me that that uh, black one. I re- I really like Telecasters, um, and this is a uh, really cheapo Squire that came into my dad's store. They nail it every now and then with the Squires. Yeah, and the neck felt round and small like my Van Halen, so I got it. Um, but this guitar is sort of interesting because I, uh, it sounds and plays better than it should. I put DiMarzio's in here. I put a fast track tele pickup in the bridge position and I put a, um, virtual T neck 
in here. Now this guitar is awesome. Now it sounds great, it just doesn't stay in tune because it's a cheap guitar. Now, uh, Telecasters have that sort of twangy sort of sound, you know? It's like that Joe Walsh or country sort of, you know? That's a, that's the sound of a Telecaster. And the really neat thing about this pickup, this uh, DeMarzio Fast Track, is it does that. But when you put the cheese on... <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, I used this on a gig with Danny Miranda, and he goes, How are you going from Joe Walsh to Van Halen on that? I said, It's this pickup, it's magical. So, if guitar players, you have a telly, and you want to be able to go from twang to kill, it's the Fast Track T by DeMars. <laughs> Yeah, this guitar is nasty sounding. Oh yeah. It is, but it's just it's not a great guitar because it's it's sort of subpar quality parts and and you know, <laughs> it's doesn't stay in tune, but I love this thing and I've used this on a lot like we did um Andy and I did an album called Two Part Invention. I use this guitar on every single track. This is the um, you know, uh, uh, um. that's you know all the songs have this guitar in it. For that album, I used this through a Marshall JCM 800 combo. That we, me and Andy recorded that at a place called Studio 900 in Manhattan that he Andy was working at at the time. They had all these huge amps, but they had this little 112 Marshall JCM 800 combo that was awesome. And I just plugged this into there, mic'd it up, done. Um, so what I want to do right now is we're going to take a little detour. I want to talk about the other gear, not just guitars. Um, so... My, I For a long time, I had combo amps like everyone else, and I'd never used effects or anything, but then I lost my damn mind. Uh, what, what? All right, there's two schools of thought here. Now, if you were to build... Okay, Phil, if you were to build a guitar rig, like what would you build? What would you put in it? Oh, this is the this is it right now. Let's see. Um. <laughs> well, no. As a say, you're just a guy. You know, yeah. you you just want to have like a simple rig for playing gigs. Like, what do you have? What do you get? You get a combo probably. Yeah, you get like probably a best, yeah. one twelve two twelve combo and uh, like a Fender or something. Yeah. And then you got to get pedals. Like, what kind of pedals do you get? Well, depend. Well, if if your amp has a nice distortion in there, you don't have to worry about that. Right. But um. But a lot of people do. They just run yeah. their amps clean. Um. My problem was I studied engineering and I looked, I listened to guitar pedals. I'm like, I don't want to put my guitar sound through <laughs> something that, that's tiny and runs on nine volt batteries. And I was very snobby about it. So I like, like you're doing right now with the Petrucci rig, I built a, a, I had a Photoshop image of the ultimate guitar rig and I did exactly what you did and I assembled it piece by piece. Uh, and it was a, a VHT. Um, a VHT rig. Actually, um, I the first time I played one, 
uh, was owned by a guy named Hap Kuffner, whose daughter actually works at my dad's music store, or Jesse. And uh, he had this VHT combo amp that... Now, the thing about the VHT gear that I always liked is it was cheesy, but not the shitty cheesy sound that I was used <laughs> to getting. It was, like, clear. So... Um, it, was like a, it was like a nice Parmesan. It was like a nice, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't none, like of Ameri- yeah none of this American cheese, yeah, but cheese like- whiz. It was a nice, uh, an, aged, an aged Gouda, if you will. So I very slowly <laughs> got, and this took me years. I didn't get this right away. Um, I got this VHT rig, uh, Californian company. Uh, owner, his name is Steve Fryette. Matter of fact, he still makes gear under the name of Fryette now. Uh, so VHT now is not actually VHT. If you want VHT gear, you got to get Fryette. Um so I saw this, I played it in the NAMM show. He had this preamp, a MIDI preamp with tubes in it called the GP3, which I'm going to play for you right now, uh, and this power amp called the 252. The 252 power amp is probably the most famous power amp in rock and roll. It's every single huge rig I've seen. Like when we played with um, Motley Crue, they had one. We played with uh, a Survivor. They had one. Like all the big um, Bradshaw. You know what Bob Bradshaw is? Uh, Bob Bradshaw is this guy, I think he's in California, I could be wrong, um, he builds all the rigs for the big bands, like he, you know, every, all the big touring rigs, he designs them, and in all of his racks, he has this amp, because it sounds like a million dollars, let's fire that up right now, hit, hit that green switch, so what I'm running right here is, um, this is my VHT preamp, the GP3, uh, going into, I have a Line 6 Firehawk that I'm just using for effects, uh, this is a new Line 6 product that I actually beta tested uh, going into a uh, VHT power amp into a VHT cab mic'd up in stereo. So here's the clean. Just a nice sort of you know, clean sound, you know. It could break up a little bit. Like, watch. Crank the gain on that green channel. So it'll break up a little bit. Hit the channel button again. So now we're going to go to my crunchy channel. Pretty standard, and now back to kill. So I used this for a while. We were playing gigs like this for a few years, and then I got to play with Blue Oyster Cult. I was playing bass at first, but then like two or three years into it, when Alan retired, I had to move on to playing guitar. I didn't want to bring the Van Halen out, because I told you about what, G- what happened with G-Man. And I didn't want to bring the Disgusto caster out because it sounded disgusting. It looked too crazy. So I actually bought a new guitar for, from this. I called up Music Man and I said, what guitars can you send me right now? Because Music Man, as you know, is a custom... Like, mm-hmm. How long do they usually take Music Man? Six months, I think, is like a rating list now. Because well, they make them. Yeah. They're made to order. Uh, I couldn't wait six months. I was like, I need a guitar right now. What do you have? And they had um, the, a silhouette. So um, let, me, let me explain that guitar. This is sort of like a, uh, a Stratocaster, uh, but of course I had to have it modified. I had um, Leroy Aiello, who's a very, uh, very excellent guitar luthier and repairman, uh, mod this out for me. He put a DiMarzio Cruiser in the neck um, just so I can have more of a, uh, a rock sound here. So... Um, <laughs> Um, the thing I like about this one is when we're doing something like, say, shooting shark, I can go for these in in the middle. Like, 
these in-between sort of sounds. The nice thing about like a Fender Strat sort of uh, setup is that you get these, you know, beefy sounds, but if you go in between the two pickups, you can get this sort of glassy. Now you actually have a real Strat, right? Yeah. I should have had you brought that instead of me doing these bastardized Strat things, but, but anyway, you can get that sound with this, but you can also get the sort of, you know, the nice, you know, humbucker sound. So I, I got this. I love this guitar, um, but I was sort of missing my Van Halen. So I got the next guitar I got was another Axis, and I got this one off of eBay because <laughs> uh, it was another situation. Where it was like I want to have this guitar right now. I don't want to place it to order. Um, and this, yeah, I got this off eBay, and I actually used this one. This is a yellow, a trans yellow Axis. I actually used this with the band for a very long time. Now what the Axis is, uh, this is the model I still play today, the Axis is the Van Halen, just with a slightly wider neck and a contour and a relocated uh, pickup selector. That's all it is, the same guitar. Um, and I really like this one. Uh, so that's this guitar. Uh, the next one I got, uh, okay, oh, it was a purple one. So this is my purple guitar. I love this one. This one, actually, I was very surprised at how good it sounded with the, uh, the modeled amplifier, but. Let me try to play Steve Morse. This is gonna be bad. I know that one Steve Morse lick. <laughs> but something else cool happened. I also got a new amp because we were using, um, we, we had uh, BOC's backline and I was using the VHT stuff, but I kind of wanted something a little simpler because as you know, from setting up BOC's gear, it could get hectic and it gets a little like crazy. So having all this stuff, like all the rack gear, wasn't a great idea. So what I did was I went out and I bought this amp. Um, this is uh, my angle, uh, coincidentally, a Steve Morris amp. Now, I know what you're thinking. Richie, you're on Steve Morris's dick. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> yo, not thinking. Yo, get off his dick, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not on his dick. I wanted an amp called The Invader because Ron played that one, and I'm on Ron's dick, not Steve Morris's dick. <laughs> <laughs> wrong so, dick, people. Wrong dick. <laughs> move along. Wrong dick. No, but um, uh, Ron had this amp, and I loved it. Uh, but the amp was like three grand. And I called up Angle, and the, I was like, I really want that amp, but I can't afford it. And they said, well... If you want, the Steve Morse amp is identical to that, except it's a three-channel version. I said, oh, you know what? I only need three channels. Is that too loud? No. Okay. So. This amp sounds like a million dollars. This is a German amp uh, made by Engel. It's a German company. And um, 
I actually got involved with them first, and then Don heard the stuff, and he was like, wow, this is really good. And he actually uses his angle, like I said before, in every gig. He has a small miniature preamp-only version. This is the whole shebang. I have the amp, the cabinet. It sounds incredible. But, and I use it only when we played local gigs, which is like, what, a handful of times a year? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Also, I'm using for effects uh, the... TC Electronic Nova system, which I also used quite a bit for a while. So that's this amp. I love this amp. But then something happened. I turned like 33 and I decided I didn't want to carry anything anymore. <laughs> I got old. So um, I always sort of had a curiosity about the Line 6 stuff because on paper I liked it. I liked the ability to have all this stuff in one unit, but... I was too much of a snob at the time. You know how people are. Yeah. Like, you know. Ugh, line six. Ugh. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to have tube tone and all yeah. that stuff. And I get it. Um, it's 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 a leap of faith to go from a real amp. Now, what line six is and what the pod is, and it's something I talk about a lot in this show, and this might be a good time, a good opportunity to explain what it is. Um, okay. Real amplifiers are beautiful. You know, when you get a real, especially like the vintage amplifiers, like the Marshalls or the Fenders, the Vox amps with tubes and they're broken in just right and you crank them to fucking 10 and they just break up in the right way, there's nothing like that. It's not only the sound, it's the feel you get being in the room with that. I will never say that that's going to be replaced by technology because it won't. It's a feeling. Just the, you know, the hair on the back of your legs standing up, you can't do that. You know what I mean? But... When you when I reached like 32, 33 years old, I didn't want to lift shit anymore. I said, I'm tired of this. Especially like when you're doing city gigs and they're like, you know, oh, you got to load in and p- double park your car, load really fast and or walk your stuff around the corner. Or, you know, it's just me wanting to have that sound became less and less important. <laughs> so I got this pod, not this one. Uh, the one I originally got is on the road with our gear. Uh, I got that, and I just started messing around with it. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't love it at first because I didn't understand it. Um, basically, like I said, the experience of you in a room with amp is never going to be recreated. However, the experience of your amp mic'd up through headphones can definitely be created, or your amp mic'd up through a PA system or through studio speakers is easier to, to manage than you just being in the room with the amp because that's there's too many variables there. How far are you from the amp? You know, what I mean? how loud is the amp? What size is the room? What kind of tubes do you have? How beat up are the tubes? There's too many variables. So what I did is I got, I took my angle that I, I love. I mic'd it up with a 57, a, sh- a very common Shure mic, and I got a sound I liked. I recorded it. Then I matched it with my pod, and I kept tweaking away from, at this pod until I got it as close as possible. Then, <laughs> I brought it out on the road. Um, now, 
my you want to want I'll let you I've been doing a lot of talking I need a I need a vocal break why don't you explain what the rig is since you have to set it up more than I do so you're going from the you're going you have your wireless yeah. and then you're going from the wireless you're what going, kind of wireless you're, it's the audio technica what is the AW forty one ten D so the audio technica wireless and then you're going into your going into the pod nope. Going to the oh, you're going into your tuner. TC yeah. electronic TC polytune. polytune. <laughs> then you're going into your pod, and then you're going into the matrix. What's the what matrix model is that? Okay, so matrix. This is I actually I did this because of Casim. When Casim first started playing with Blue Oyster Cult, he had this um, two rack space solid state amp head that weighed like ten pounds that he could bring with him in his bag. I was very, very impressed by that. I said, so basically, you don't have, you're not at the mercy of rental amps. You can use the same thing every night and have, have like consistent tone. And he said, yeah. So I, uh, I did a little research and I found out that there was this English company called Matrix Amplification that made a six pound, one rack space amp, which is the smallest, you know, configuration you could get, and that had a thousand watts per side stereo. So you can get 2,000 watts of sound from six pounds and it's solid state it's very flat sounding so what was cool about that is i could use all the mojo in the pod like all the trickery and amp modeling now what what the pod does because i i sort of skipped over that is it's a very um condensed small unit uh mine is fit into a like a floor pedal that's like two feet wide and it has all the amps digitally recreated and all the effects digitally recreated and speakers and microphones are all digitally recreated. Now, it, like I said, it's not the same experience, but you can get pretty damn close. So once I got that matrix and we and we had, you know, rental Marshall cabinets, I tweaked. And it took me about, I'll say, five to six months where I got it. And I was like, you know what? I am happy with this. This sounds awesome. Uh, and that's my rig on stage. I go right, you know, from my pod into the matrix amp into a Marshall cab. Mm -hmm. I mic it up with whatever we got, you know, usually a 57 because that's what the sound companies have. And uh, I use my in-ears to mic it. I That's another thing. That not a lot of guitar players do this. I have a very good relationship with Woody, our sound engineer, and he trusts me and knows that I'm out of yuts. So he lets me actually place my guitar mic because he knows that I will use the mic as an EQ to get the sound I want, you know? Uh, and that's very important to me. Like I have to be—I hate to be a control freak, but I have to—I have to be able to control what I'm hearing in my ears, or else it'll be a miserable experience all night. So uh, that's another thing. Like guitar players, if you're recording your guitar, definitely experiment with very minute changes in the angle and location of that microphone, because that'll make a huge difference on your tone. Like absolutely huge. So that's what I use now. And I—I I also, if if I'm doing a gig, like a city gig, where I have to get in and out. I'll put the pod in and go directly into the PA, and we're done. Uh, the next big purchase I made gear-wise is the guitar I use now on the road, but it's on the road, so I can't play it. But it's an Axis. It's identical to the other Axis, Axes, excuse me, except that this one um, is in a color called Slime Burst, which is a unique color uh, to me, and I'm really you know happy to have that guitar. I love that guitar, but it's... I, I would play through the Matrix right now, but it's away with uh, yeah. BOC's gear. Um, and uh, I'm just going to go through some recent purchases really quick because we're going to go through the rundown, and then we're going to wrap this up. Um, let's talk about that uh, that blue one. I'm also a big uh, Toto fan, 
So Steve Lukather has his own Music Man model. Um, and what I like about this is this is like a Strat again. But this has a preamp in it that actually makes it so the in-between tones are the same volume as the main tones. And uh, for a guitar player, you know what I'm talking about. Because when you go through some of these um, in-between tones when you're using two pickups at once, the volume drops. But on this one, listen. No volume drop out. And that was a big selling point for me. So I gotta play my Steve Lucas licks. So yeah, I, I haven't really warmed up to this guitar yet, but I like it. And moving on, the other guitar that I got is, oh, I almost forgot. This is one of the really, this is a really cool thing in my collection. Uh, give me that ESP. This is a very cherished guitar. This one is, Eric Bloom gave me this. This is another, this is an ESP. This is another like shred machine. Uh, this is one that he used on tour for a while in the 80s. And it doesn't work, but you know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> this sounds pretty beefy. Yeah, it's pretty sick. This is definitely a shred guitar, yeah. though. Let's oh, yeah. see. Let's um. Now you just got an ESP too, right? I did. Yeah. Which, which one do you have? I got the ESP ST2. It's pretty sweet. The STD. Yeah, here's yeah, a I good got one. It's good. Yeah. This one is called a Mirage Deluxe, and this is this is a cool guitar. It feels great. It plays great. But what's really special is this was Eric. So. <laughs> Is that full floating or is that stopped? This is full floating. Yeah. And now it's out of tune. <laughs> there you go. Um, actually, I'm going to skip one because I want to go to the t to the telly. Um, I said before that I really like Telecasters. Um, this is one of my favorite new guitars. This is one... Um, this is called a, a Fender Roadworn. Uh, this is... A Fender... It's a new guitar. It's Mexican. And Fender's sort of making it to design it to feel like an old school, like, 50s telly. <laughs> So, th I love this thing. I brought this one to Rocco Monterosso, who was on Band Geek before, and he completely reshaped the neck for me. And guess which guitar he copied? The one your dad did. Mm -hmm. He copied the Uncle Phil Red Telly, and he made it. And Rocco did a phenomenal job at copying the guitar that copied the Van Halen neck. So, this is like a game of telephone. 
So now they don't feel the same, but no, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, this, this is great. He also aged the neck. He did like an aging process. And of course, put the DiMarzios in because I put them in everything. These are DiMarzio uh, area T pickups. And if you listen, I'll, I'll, here's the, the bridge. Here's the neck. And here's both of them. And here's with a little cheese. I love this thing. I can't stop playing this thing. Um, I played it with BOC a few times, but it's sort of... I mean, I guess this is, it fits. Alan played a telly that was very similar to this. Um, actually, this looks exactly like Alan's. That's one of the reasons I like this guitar. I mean, I love yellow, but Alan played a blonde telly, so I figured that was sort of like a cool nod to him. Um, I mean, Alan... I played with Alan in the band for maybe three years, but I knew him bef for longer than that because I'd been... In, I've been working for Blue Oyster Cult since 2000, um, and I really liked Alan, and I miss him, and it was you know an honor to be in the band with him, and he's just a really intelligent guy, and you know it was great playing with him, and I loved being on stage with him, and you know he had a very uh, he was a very witty guy too, so I miss Alan, and when I play his guitar, especially if I bring it on stage with BOC, it makes me think I'm like sort of paying tribute to him, and. So this was like, you know, multi-purpose guitar. I always wanted a nice telly. I always wanted an old 50s telly. And this one looked like Alan. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the last guitar I want to do in my nerd extravaganza of gear is a guitar that I really grew to like. It's the Variax uh, by Line 6. And I'm going to plug into this right now. Um, can, hey, Phil, can you give me that Variax cable over there? Okay, you might have seen me play this on the show before. This is actually a really neat tool, and I really feel like every guitar player should have one of these. Um, I think this is where guitar tech is going. Uh, maybe just because I'm sort of nerdy and into all like tinkering and stuff like that, that's why I like this guitar. But I really feel like this is this technology is going to take off. Um, so this guitar is something that Line Six actually sent me uh, because I did a few videos for them. Put this thing in. So, what's really cool about this guitar is it's a digital guitar, and you can go through different sounds. So it has normal sounds like Telecasters. Uh, it has Strats. So I'm playing the same guitar right now. I'm just switching, you know, switching settings on it. It has less Pauls. Let's get that. Let's do that song you were playing before. Um, but another really awesome thing this guitar will do is listen to this. The guitar will retune itself to different tunings. Or an open tuning, listen to this. 
So I'm just hitting the slider right here, and the guitar is changing tunings. Weird, huh? Um, so I really like that. Uh, let's go through some of the other ones. You can have like, um, oh, Rickenbacker 12 strings. Um, also, you can do, let's switch this, a jazz box. This is really neat. Acoustics. Um, acoustic 12 strings. And here's some really cool stuff. Like Dobros. Banjos. Um, sitar. You know, resonator guitars. But I also made my own sounds on here. I managed to make Brian May guitars. You hear the harmonics sort of breaking up? Yeah, that's because they have like an editor that you can plug this into on the computer and you can change pickups around and stuff like, you know, like old, like change every little variable. Um, actually, there's, I, I lied, there's one more guitar I'm going to show, uh, and that is the Brian May guitar. I think I should, uh, because the Brian May guitar is something, it's a guitar that I actually hate, but it's, I've had a lot of success playing that guitar, so I might as well talk about it really quick. So this is my Burns Replica Red Special guitar. Um, I am a Queen fan, I am a Queen nerd. Uh, this is really the closest I can get to the Brian May sound with this guitar. I use this one for my Bohemian Rhapsody video. Every time I have to play uh, Queen, uh, just for me, the neck's kind of beefy, but it really does that sound ex ex exceptionally well, so I can't complain. But, uh, yeah, so I think that about covers it, Phil. Yeah? Yeah. 
We've been talking a while for this, and this was fun. So, uh, okay, thank you very much for asking to hear about my gear. Phil, thanks for joining me today. It was fun. And uh, next time, I, I know people wanted to hear more stories about uh, the music store back in Brooklyn or BOC Road stories, uh, stuff about me and Andy making two-part invention, also about uh, Morning Starlet. So I'll probably cover some of those topics next time. But uh, I want to thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time, hopefully with the full band. Later. Later.